Thank you. Yeah, over this year, we've been talking as a church about uh, living with our roots down in God, but also staying open and loving others with our walls down, roots down, walls down. And over the last couple of months, we've been particularly thinking about how do we do that in practice? How do we make it really practical? And uh, this morning, I want to look at this particular aspect of roots down. And I'm going to start with quoting from the Old Testament, one of the books of the prophets called Jeremiah. And Jeremiah is talking about uh, people who put their trust and their confidence in God. And he writes this, blessed are those who trust in the Lord and have made the Lord their hope and confidence. They are like trees planted along a riverbank with roots that reach deep into the water. Such trees are not bothered by the heat or worried by long months of drought. Their leaves stay green and they never stop producing fruit. Why do they flourish? Why are they so fruitful? Because their roots go down deep into the water. Now, what does that actually mean? Well, let's, you see, in the Bible, there's loads and loads of references to water. It's full of the imagery of water. There's rivers and streams, there's springs and wells, there's fountains, and of course, rain. Um, and we all know that water is essential for life, for just for our natural life. You cannot live without water. But the Bible, the New Testament, was originally written in Greek and it had two words for life. One was bios, from which we get our word biology, and it's talking about this natural, physical, bodily life. But the other word that it had for life was zoe, and it's talking about that spiritual life, that life of the soul, eternal life. And the only way we can get that life is by the Holy Spirit. And so the water references, the water imagery in the Bible are talking about that life of the Holy Spirit. So to keep our roots in water is talking about being sustained by the Holy Spirit, filled with and staying filled with the Holy Spirit. And I want to look practically today about how do we do that. And my answer is in two words. One is posture and the other is practices. Posture and practices. Let's talk about posture first. When I mention posture, I'm talking about the orientation of, the, of our heart. The orientation of our heart, the orientation of our inner life. It's what we look towards. It's what we or who we lean on. It's where our life is directed and where we get our strength, our values, our perspective. And I want to encourage you to have a posture, an inner orientation of the heart towards heaven, towards the eternal. And now I say that because just as we have a, a natural life and a spiritual life, we have what you might call an earthly realm and a heavenly realm. So one of the first leaders of the church, the Apostle Paul, he puts it like this. He says, we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. For what is seen, that is the earthly temporal life, that, that, that's, that's temporal, that's passing away. But what is unseen is eternal. We're those who fix our eyes, that's the posture of our heart, on the unseen, on the eternal. 
Now, I want to relate that to staying filled with the Holy Spirit because I suggest to you the Holy Spirit is the one who enables us to experience the life of the eternal. The Holy Spirit is actually described in the New Testament of the Bible as uh, like a down payment, a deposit on our ultimate inheritance. Our ultimate inheritance is life with God for all eternity in a new heaven and a new earth. But we get a down payment of it now. How? By the Holy Spirit. He's also described, another way of describing him, is the first fruits of the harvest. The harvest, again, is that life with God for all eternity, but he gives us a taste of it. Now, the Holy Spirit is heaven in our hearts. That's why he's referred to in the New Testament as the eternal spirit. And why Jesus says of him, the spirit alone gives eternal life. So if we want to be filled with this life from heaven, we need to have a posture, the life of the Holy Spirit, we need to have a posture towards heaven. Which is why the time, there was one time when Jesus met a woman at a well, we'll say a little bit more about her in a moment. And he was talking to her about, if you like, the water, the natural water that you can get from the well to, to keep your biological life alive. But he says this, anyone, anyone who drinks this water, this natural water, will soon become thirsty again. But those who drink the water I will give, and he's speaking about the Holy Spirit, will never be thirsty again. It becomes a fresh bubbling spring within them, giving them what? Eternal life. The life of heaven. The life of the eternal in the here and now. That's why I believe I want to encourage us to have our hearts oriented towards heaven. That's why, you know, I'm sorry, I'm just keeping an eye on the time because I'm going off on one a little bit here. That's why... That's why, you know, um, Jesus says when, he, when he says, when you pray, go into the hidden place, go into the secret place where your Father in heaven will see what you're doing in secret and will reward you. You're showing that your values, your posture, the orientation of your heart is not towards the natural world and what people think and what you can get out of that. It's towards heaven, your Father in heaven. And that's how, by the way, going back to our Jeremiah passage, that's how you stay fruitful and flourishing is because the roots of your life are not based on the things of this world. The roots of your life go into eternity. So we start with posture. But then I want to encourage you with some practices as well. Problem is this light is I can't see the time, but never mind. <coughs> I'll just carry on going until somebody tells me to stop. How about that? Practices. Daily practices. And the first one, oh no, actually, before I do that, let me just quote C.S. Lewis from you, for you. Because I want to encourage you to be orientated towards heaven. Because there used to be a phrase that we learned uh, years ago, that you can be too heavenly minded to be of any earthly use. Don't believe it. It's rubbish. You've got to be heavenly minded if you're going to be of any earthly use. Which is why Paul, again, talking about posture, says, fix your, uh, your hearts on things above and not on earthly things. Uh, fix your mind on things above, on heaven. Anyway, C.S. Lewis says this. If you read history, you will find that the Christians who did most for this present world were just those who thought most of the next world. He says this. They all left their mark on earth precisely because their minds were occupied with heaven. It is since Christians have largely ceased to think of the other world that they've become so ineffective in this. So if you want to make a difference in this world, fix your heart and fix your mind on heaven. Okay, now I'll get on to the practices. Things that you can do every day that will help you. The first one is a bit of a negative, actually, in some ways, because it's about things you shouldn't do. 
Because my first point is this, stay thirsty for God. And one of the things that can, can damage that, if you like, is if you try to quench your thirst on other things. So Jeremiah, who I quoted earlier, also said this, my people have committed two evils. They have forsaken me, the fountain of living waters, and hewed out cisterns for themselves, broken cisterns that can hold no water. You see, sometimes we foolishly are tempted to try to get uh, hold water, hold the water of life in something from this world, and it never can do it. You know, it's basically, St. Augustine said this, he says, you have made us for yourself, God, and our hearts are restless until they find their rest in you. And when we try to find an answer to that restlessness in other things besides God, it's like having a broken cistern. That's where addictions begin, to be honest with you, because people look for life and love in the wrong places. They try to answer that restlessness within other things. But it's not just the obvious things of drugs and alcohol. We can all build systems with some of the good things that God gives us. Families and friends and careers and hobbies can all become systems. When the gift comes before the giver, it's become an idol. Those things are great as the overflow of God's life gift of life towards you, but they're never the source. There's only one who's the source. So the first thing is this, establish this, you're not going to look to other things to satisfy that restlessness. You're only going to look to God who is the fountain of life. Okay. Here's another one. We're doing okay. Slow down. Okay, I'm doing fine. Yeah. Slow down and be real. Slow down and be real with God. Slow down. You may have seen these marathon runners. Um, I've only ever seen them on the telly. I've never been that close to them before. But um, I, I, <laughs> never got that close, never wanted to. Um, these marathon runners, when they're running along, and they've got these little tables with little cups and water on, and they, they run past and they grab a water and they throw it at themselves and probably get more down their face and their clothes than they do in their mouth. Or, or they'll carry a bottle of water and they'll swig it now and again. So they're trying to fill up with water on the run. Well, that might work as a marathon runner, but it doesn't work in, the, in the, the, the race of life with God, if you like. You have to slow down. If you're, gonna, you're not drinking from a bottle. If you're going to draw from a well, you have to stop, slow down, and do it very deliberately. So give time to this. Make a priority of spending time with God. Slow down, be still, and draw from Him. And also be real. The reason I say that is, you know that I told you about Jesus meeting that woman at the well and talking to her about the spring that's within her if she, if she drinks the water that he gives. Well, her response in the immediate is to get all religious with Jesus and start having a little theological debate with him. But Jesus is having none of it. Lovingly and graciously, he, he, he exposes the fact that this is a woman who's been looking for love in all the wrong places. She's had five husbands and now she's living with a guy who's not her husband. Doesn't, Jesus does not expose that to condemn her. He's basically saying to her, let's be real. Let's be honest about where it's really at for you right now. So when you come to God, you might have to say, um, I don't know, you may have to com confess some sins. Or you may have to be honest with God about what you're anxious about. You might even have to say, God, you know what? I'm not even thirsty at the moment. I'm feeling apathetic. Be real with God. However, moving on to my next point, start there, but don't stay there. So start with being real, but then you have to start Drawing from within yourself, number three, by the words that you speak. Because if you just are being real and honest and negative, if you like, about how you're feeling right now, that is not enough. 
You see, let me give you an example. There's a psalmist who's praying this. He's praying, he says, Lord, my, my, as a deer pants for streams of water, so my soul longs for you. And then he says these words to himself. Um, why are you downcast, O my soul? And why are you so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. So he's honest that he's feeling downcast and disturbed, but then he starts speaking to himself and thanking God and saying, I will praise God no matter how I feel, no matter where life is at for me, I will still praise God. You see, the tongue has the power of life or death. What you say can either block the well or release the well, release the spring. So be careful the words that you speak. There's a great, when you're in that place, if you want to stay filled with the Holy Spirit, there's a great passage which I recommend in Ephesians 5, I think it's somewhere around verses 17 or 18, which basically tells you how to be filled with the Spirit. And it, one of the things it says, speak to yourselves and give thanks. Thanksgiving is a great way to release the Holy Spirit within you. Notice the Holy Spirit is within you, not just up there. But he says, the water that I should give you will become a spring welling up to eternal life. So watch the words that you speak. Speak thanksgiving. Speak words of faith. Even though you start by being real about where you're at. And then number four, sing and make music in your heart to the Lord. <laughs> I know it's a bit mean me saying that when we can't sing at the moment. And we're down here, but sing and make music in your heart to the Lord because singing gives it gives wings to your prayer and some of you might be thinking what singing have you heard my voice you think make music in the heart in my heart it probably ought to stay in my heart rather than come out of my mouth because it won't be music to anybody's ears so yeah exactly Richard let it out no matter what you think it sounds like is that how long I've got okay <laughs> right um wonderful sorry Michael's let me know Something, I'm not quite sure, but I'm going to ignore him anyway and move on with it. But, so, um, <laughs> singing and making music. You know, singing, there's a, there's a great verse in the Bible which is talking about a well springing up. And it says, spring up a well, sing about it. It's as if singing releases something within. And that's why we spend so much time singing and making music and worship to God. But you know what? It can happen in the natural. You can almost sing anything and it releases life. Well, maybe... Maybe you better not sing Bat Out of Hell or something like that with, uh, if you're trying to be filled with the Holy Spirit. That's probably not a good idea. Good tune though, good tune. But you could almost sing anything. You could sing, I don't know, Sweet Caroline, for example. You could, or Football's Coming Home, It's Coming Home. You could, you could almost sing anything. I'm not saying that those things fill you with the Holy Spirit. What I'm saying is singing is God's idea. Making music is God's idea. And it's a great way to stay filled with the Holy Spirit. And here's my last point. Let's do this together. Because the other way in which you, another practice which will help you stay filled with the Holy Spirit, number five, draw from others. You see, in that Ephesians 5 passage that I told you about, which tells you how to stay filled with the Holy Spirit, one of the points is this, it could easily be missed, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. What does that mean? I think it means being able to draw from the Holy Spirit within other people. And I also think it means we have to do this together. You see, we're not, as Christians, we're not like Buddhist monks who go and sit under a Bodhi tree and wait for enlightenment. We're not, it's not an individualistic faith. The Christian faith is of necessity communal. It's corporate. Okay? And we do this together. That's why when the Holy Spirit first came and gave birth to the church, it said this, they were all together 
in one place. And then a sound from heaven came and the Holy Spirit filled them all. They were all together. This is one of the reasons, by the way, we want to do this thing I mentioned last week called the well. Where on a Sunday evening, about seven for 45 minutes, you can come and just wait on God and worship, sing and make music or just be still and quiet before God, drawing from him. You have to do it with others. The Apostle Paul again puts it like this. We were all baptized by one spirit so as to form one body. And we were all given the one spirit or the same spirit to drink. That's 1 Corinthians 12, verse 13. We're all drinking of the same spirit. We're in this together. We're better together. So, to stay filled with the Holy Spirit, have that posture towards heaven, towards the eternal. Put into practice things like this. There are other things as well. It's not an exhaustive list. Put it into practice and you will be fruitful and you'll flourish like a tree beside the riverbanks, no matter what's going on around you. Now, we're going to put that into practice right now, the whole singing and making music part of it. And I'm just going to pray as we begin to do that. But let's come together to draw together from the Holy Spirit. And I tell you what, if you stay filled with the Holy Spirit every day, doing some of these practices that I've said, when we come together, woof, the experience that we'll have together of the Holy Spirit will be all the greater. So Holy Spirit, we invite you right now, as we sing and make music, as we worship, just fill us afresh. Remember how good you are, how refreshing your spirit is, and fill us afresh. So right now, wherever you are in this room, I invite you and encourage you to stand or to kneel or whatever posture helps you to be receptive to the Holy Spirit right now. I'd encourage you to stand. Even if you're in your room at home, I'd encourage you to stand or put yourself in a posture where you're saying, Holy Spirit, I just want more of you. More of you. And as we worship, let's reach out to him. Let's draw from the wells of living water. Amen.